Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. You know, I was blessed um, today. I was talking to a guy from Men's Transform and, and uh, one of his friends actually just got, unfortunately, sent away to prison. And um, he's like, man, I'm sending my book to him. And, um, and then another guy was like, hey, man, my cousin lives in Australia. I'm sending my book to him. I've just been so encouraged how many people are buying it for other people. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, then we're going to get into it. You doing good today? Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, kind of like Haas in the front here, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand. Gosh, they just wrote it about you, Haas. Qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. Someone say three years. And after that, they were enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chief official gave them new names. Someone say new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person here, every man, every woman, every young adult in this place. Father, I just thank you so much. This is your house. These are your people. Lord, those in the kids' space right now, those who are watching online right now, God, every family, every generation represented God, first-time guests, every person. Jesus, let your Word and your name and your renown, Lord, echo in the minds of people. Spirit of the living God, I declare of this place, a place of strength, a place of growth, a place of health, a place of vision, a place where lives are restored time and time again, a house of transformation. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life. I declare today, you are my Father. Help me hear your voice. Help me live the life you designed me to live. I declare today, I'm stepping into faith. I'm stepping out of the past into a new future. The powerful name of Jesus. Come on, a church alive said, Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Praise God. Grab your seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Josh Ringer. How many appreciate these guys? Um, a number of years ago, I had a car accident. I was 20, probably two, 22 years old. I had gone to a Christian actually conference at the time with about 
12 friends and uh, we were in two cars and um, I was very much used to wearing a seatbelt but how many know that when you are in a college campus you really only can drive about 20 miles an hour so you know I remember the kind of cultural pressure to not wear my seatbelt so I got out of the habit of wearing my seatbelt well anyway we were going away from this gas station and um, I used to always wear my seatbelt in this day I was like I don't I don't need it how many know when you need it you need it that's why you wear it because you need it anyway I was 22 years old and our car crashed into the other car and we saw the accident actually happening and so I grabbed the seat in front of me to kind of brace myself and instead of going forward I went up I smashed my head upon the roof I got 25 stitches to prove it and a little neck brace anyway it's a good time um, I feel like in our culture, if you are not belted in with truth, that you are going to get dizzy, that you are going to get confused. I feel like if you're not belted in with truth, you're going to wake up and wonder why your life and your family are injured. And so I feel this, this conviction and really, gosh, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but a burden to regularly bring you to the place where you are putting across your chest the belt of truth. Amen? Paul told the church at Ephesus that they were to wear the belt of truth. How many know that when God is looking to solve a problem, God looks for a man or a woman who is faithful, available, and teachable? Faithful, available, and teachable. Esther, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is the beauty queen pageant winner who ends up being promoted to the queen of the day and she has to speak up and speak out against demonic legislation that would literally take out and wipe out the Jewish people. She is an unlikely leader. Someone say unlikely. We talked about last week, Hannah. Hannah has given birth to perhaps the greatest prophet of the day. She is a woman of prayer. And we began to unpack last week the power of prayer and the importance of prayer and the protection that comes from prayer. And I hope that you are a praying man or woman. And if you're not, listen to that message because it will encourage you on being exactly that. When God was looking for a people, he started with Abraham. When God was looking for a, to free a nation, he looks for Moses. When God is looking to conquer a people, he finds a leader called Joshua. When God is looking for an army, he finds a prophet named Ezekiel. When God is looking to actually save the, the free world at the time, how many you know that in the 19th century, he found a, name called, a man by the name of Winston Churchill? to speak up against the, the evils of the day. When God began to look for a movement, He began to find a woman called Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. See, God is looking for people. And although that, that your life may not be echoed in, in history and written about, I just want to assure you today that your life has great importance. That your life has great importance because your family is important come on say that with me my family is important say my health the health of my family is important so if families are important to God how many know that leadership is important to God and often we are looking for someone else to lead but I found that God is looking for me to lead 
And if you're a father in here, you're a leader. If you're a wife in here, a mother in here, you're a leader. If you're a Christian, you're a leader. Why? Because God wants you to be a person of influence and to shine bright. How's this Baptist church doing this morning? Seems like you just went Presbyterian on me or... <laughs> How many believe in encouraging church? I don't know if you didn't have enough coffee today. I don't know if I'm just preaching as badly as you're responding, but uh, I'm just, uh, I'm trying my best up here. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Thank you. God takes four young men. Someone say four young men. God takes four young men out of Israel. They are literally kidnapped. They are literally taken as slaves. And in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar literally wipes out some of Israel and then basically takes the, the most handsome, the most sharp looking, the smartest. And he begins to train them for the next three years to be leaders and servants in his house. And there is this continual theme that you see in Scripture that God... Sorry, sin takes people, makes them captive, re-educates them, renames them, and then sadly controls them through fear and then causes them to false worship. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, man, this, this seems to happen not just once, but this seems to be the history of mankind that sin actually lures us, breaks us, makes us captive. And then we get taken by something that we never wanted to be taken by. But then we get re-educated, renamed and eventually forced into fear and we false worship. If you want to show the history of mankind, it's actually that. that how many of you have been lured by sin ever? Like nine honest people in church today. That sin is luring, isn't it? Sin is attractive. Sin is fun many times. Sin has enjoyable moments. And Israel would always be lured into false worship, primarily through sexual immorality and false worship. And then eventually they would lose their relationship with God. They would lose the blessing and they would be taken captive and then they would be re-educated and then they would be renamed and then they would be bound by fear and then they would be given over to false worship. See, Babylon is not just a place where Daniel and his men went. Babylon is mentioned 288 times in Scripture. Babylon is actually known really as the thinking and the spirit of those who would reject God. In the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 19, there is the fall of Babylon and it is actually the king of all kings taking down the system and the thinking and the philosophy of the day. But the first temptation we find in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, it's not the first temptation, but here's what he says. He says this, he says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and ask the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, how many of you know that if you are taken captive and you are led into a nation that is not your nation 
And that you are actually elevated to actually the king's palace and the king's training. How many know that's not a bad gig? Because if you are taken captive, how many know that you might be taken captive and put into the worst environments possible? You might be cleaned the worst places. You might be literally taken as a sex slave. But he is literally elevated to a place which is pretty good. You're like, hey, this is okay. I'm in the king's palace. I'm eating king's food. And then Daniel literally says to him, hey, by the way, uh, I can't eat your food. I'm a Jew. Um, can you imagine his friends going, Daniel, um, I know you're committed and all and you love reading the Torah and you say your prayers and all that kind of stuff. But how many you know, it's not the time to speak up. They can kill you. They don't like you. They don't like our people. In fact, they have killed a lot of our people. So if you speak up, we all might die. How many of you might think that might be wise? Actually, you might look at your friend and go, hey, shut up. You're an idiot. No, you're taking your faith too seriously. You're taking your convictions too seriously. <laughs> Everyone's doing it. Let's eat some pork. Let's have some bacon. Let's have a spit roast. Let's have a good time. Why could Daniel not eat the food? He couldn't eat the food because it was against the conviction of his heart. It was actually often given to other idols and then given to them. And so he has this conviction that he cannot break. And he is willing to speak up at a time when everything else around him says, Be quiet. Be quiet. Don't mention that. Don't talk about that. Don't, don't. Talk about that thing. Have you noticed in America recently that everyone's like, listen, be quiet. Culture says be quiet. Teaching says be quiet or I'll cancel you. I'll literally oppose you if you say anything against our teaching. I feel like I'm watching a Babylon spirit literally come over this nation. It's taking it captive. It's renaming it. It's re-educating it. And it's saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And I just have this thing in my heart. I can't. I can't be quiet. I can't not talk about it. Why? Because it's the most important issues of the day. And if the church doesn't have a voice in the most important issues of the day, if the Word of God doesn't have the most important issues and a voice in the most important issues of the day, what are we just doing? We're just shrinking in fear. Someone say, speak up. The temptation of Daniel's day is don't stand out. Don't speak up. Be quiet. Keep your Beliefs private, keep them private, keep them private, keep them private. Now, I've been a Christian long enough now that sometimes you want certain Christians to be quiet. <laughs> because there is a difference between boldness and obnoxious. There truly is. There is a difference between boldness and obnoxious. What's the difference between boldness and obnoxious? Obnoxious is... You focused. You actually have to say it because you're all about you. You have to have a voice. But boldness is God focused. Obnoxious is issue focused. 
Boldness is truth focused. Obnoxious is making a point for a point's sake. But boldness is a consistent voice. Someone say a consistent voice. On a particular issue because God has called you for some reason to talk about it. I mean, really, Daniel, you're going to talk about your Jewish commitment at this time? It's not the time to talk about it. Fast forward two chapters and and Nebuchadnezzar, he likes himself just a little bit. He is the first king of the selfie. He takes a selfie, makes that selfie 90 feet tall. And says, everyone, don't just look at my selfie, but worship my selfie. You're like, what? Oh, and by the way, if you don't just come and worship my selfie, 90 feet tall selfie, I'm going to kill your selfie. Like, think about it. Imagine me taking a statue of myself, which first of all is weird. But then I'm, I'm so insecure, I make it 90 feet tall, bring it to church alive, and say, look at me. Oh, by the way, if you don't like it, I've got the security team, and they're going to throw you in a fire. <laughs> How many know I have a pride problem? How many know I have a self-esteem problem? How many know I have a problem? I'm the problem. But it is a picture in many ways of what man does when he doesn't worship God. He always elevates self. He always takes more control than he's meant to have. The king is meant to help the people instead of enslave the people. And you'll always find when, when governments kick God out and they're not accountable to anyone, they always operate through pride, through fear and through control. Someone tell me you see that in our culture today. Pride. If you don't listen to me, I'll counsel you. If you don't listen to me, I'll stop you. I'll, fear, I'll put fear in you. And the Bible says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow. And there's literally millions of people bowing before an idol. And how many know that there's always someone willing to dob on you? So while they're meant to be worshiping, a couple of them look up and look over and go, oh, these three Jewish guys, why are they standing up? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And the Bible says an interesting thing, that they were sorcerers, which is always counter and anti to the Spirit of God. And so they bring the knowledge to the king, and then the king says, hey, let's try this one more time. At the sound of the lyre, the flute, the harp, if you don't bow, I will throw you into the fire. So how many know that the pressure is not just to speak up, but the pressure is to not stand out. And that is the Babylon spirit. And that is many times the spirit of our age that doesn't want you to stand out, doesn't want you to speak up, and doesn't want you to actually be bold for the name of God. Are you with me? They have been taken captive. They have been re-educated. They have been renamed. They have been really enforced with fear, but they refuse to 
bow. I want to suggest to you today that if you're going to have a voice, if you're going to have a right voice, then sometimes actually, even though I say you need to stand up and speak up, actually for a while you need to shut up. You're like, what do you you mean? Which is it? It's both. (laughs) See, the, the Babylon spirit says don't speak. But let me say this. Many times you and I speak before we have the platform to speak. Many times, and I've done this myself many times before, I remember recently seeing a post on Instagram and I was about to repost it because I, I, I saw it, I like this guy's post, I think he's really smart, I think he's really good. And I was about to repost something and I was about to repost it and halfway through I was like, have I thought about his quote? Like really deeply? And I just realized I hadn't. I'd read it halfway through. And then I'm, I'm going to repost this. Because normally I agree with him. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm about to repost something I haven't thought through myself. And I kind of think that if I've done that before, I kind of think you might have too. You're like, yeah. You. You got emotional. You you got pumped up. You're like, that's right. Well, that's right. And then later you're like, oh, that wasn't even right. Have you ever done that? Come on, someone. You know you have. Yeah. Woo. Week later you're like, I don't even like that guy. Because there are issues of the day. And they're important issues and they're not small issues. But are you talking about the biggest issue? Have you even determined in your own heart what the biggest issue is? Have you had private discussions about the biggest issue? You know some of the issues that I now speak about? I've been having private conversations about these issues for three years. And, and, and many times I'm a bit of a verbal processor, so I need to talk to someone about what I'm thinking about because I'm not even sure if, if I'm right. So then I'll talk about it with someone on a private level and talk about it and talk about it and then we'll talk about it and they'll talk back to me. And recently I was having a conversation with a pastor and he was arguing back with me and I'm arguing back with him. And then I was like, I know I'm right about this one. <laughs> Why would I say that? Why? Because I've been thinking about this one and praying about this one for three years. I've been digesting this one and reading God's Word about this one. I'm like, this is the most dangerous and diabolical thing of the day. There is no other issue more dangerous than this issue. I want you to see something for a second. How Daniel and his friends are not just taken captive and not just re-educated. They're educated for three years. But then they're renamed. And you're like, oh, isn't their names cute? And you, and you look at them and, and watch this now. I think it's verse 5, guys. You can throw that on the screen. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And then the Bible just says this quick thing. It just says this. The chief official gave them new names. Someone say new names. New names. And, and some of you may have come to our church for a while. So you may have heard this maybe two or three years ago. But I just think it's interesting he says, I'm going to give him new names. And you're like, oh, that's nice. He's going to give him new names. He's like one of those namers. <laughs> he likes to name people. 
My wife is one of those people who loves to give people like cute names, pet names, she, she nicknames. Like when I first got a car, uh, she gave it a name. I'm not sure why, but she gave it a name. I had a good friend in college and, and she was like, your name is this. And he was like, I don't like that name. That was Travorus, remember? She's like, this is your name from now on. He's like, <laughs> and he literally was like, tell her no, no, don't like that name. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry. Too much detail sometimes, you know? Don't get all nosy on me, you know? I'll reveal what I need to reveal. <laughs> Daniel, the Bible says, the name means God is my judge. In, in judge can both be, have a negative connotation to it, but if you are right standing with God, how do you know a judge will reward you as well? Yeah. Daniel means God is my judge. Well, yeah. But Belteshazzar means lady, protect the king. What? <laughs> Daniel, God is my judge. Belteshazzar means lady, protect the king. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. How I many you know that's good? Yahweh has been gracious, but they name him Shadrach, meaning I am fearful of my God. So he moves from an understanding of the grace of God to now a fearful mode of God. And how I many you know that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord? So a right reverence of God actually will protect you and watch over you, but a wrong fear of God will make you run from God instead of run to God. I find a lot of people have that wrong. They have this sense that God, they should be so afraid of God, so they never come to church. I've had numerous different people tell me over the years, Pastor Anthony, if I came to church, the roof would fall in. <laughs> Literally the roof. Like that's bad, isn't it? I've had a number of people tell me that the roof would fall in. I'm like, have you No, it's just you'll know. <laughs> Mishael means who can compare to my God? No, I'll name you despised, rejected, and humiliated. These renamings were not nice renamings, these renamings were specific lies. Specific lies. How many of you know words have power? Words have power and he is literally renaming from one who can compare to my God, Mishael, to Meshach, despised, rejected and humiliated. He is literally given a garment of shame. He's in the king's palace, but he has been given a completely different identity. How many know the enemy of your soul wants to give you a completely different identity? A literally one that is simply based on your mistakes and your past instead of on the grace of God. The other name, Azaria, means Yahweh has helped. They called him Abednego, servant of Nebo, which is really servant of men. Feel this now. You are taken captive into a foreign land. You are re-educated. And then you are renamed. And you are renamed names that you were never meant to be named. In other words, what they are saying is, I'm defining who you are. 
by my words and by my curses. So instead of blessing you, I'm cursing you. Instead of blessing you, I'm cursing you. God is a God that blesses people. But when we run from God, there's actually a curse attached to it. But how many know through Jesus, I can simply call myself blessed. I am blessed through Jesus. I am blessed through Jesus. All my sins and past mistakes can be forgiven in Christ. I am blessed by the Most High God. Why? Because of the person of Jesus Christ. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Why do you need to buckle up your seatbelt in this time? Because otherwise, you'll literally leave this culture dazed and confused on what you are. Don't follow people who make you a victim. God speaks to you individually. God speaks to you. Every lady in here, God speaks to you individually. God speaks to you individually despite your past. Every man in here, God speaks to you individually. He doesn't just speak to you as a white man or a black man or from Nigeria or Puerto Rico or Italy, though every, it feels like every continent is represented in our church and that's an awesome thing. But how many know that sometimes people like to group you into demographics and then just, just kind of group you together and say, that's you. No, you're an individual, individually made by God. Individually made by God. I'm individually made by God. And so I need to follow Him individually. I don't follow Him as an Australian. I follow Him as a Christian because my Christianity trumps my Australianness. It does. It trumps it. It beats it. it. I'm not just a Western Christian. No, I'm a Christian. I'm not just a pastor. No, I'm a Christian first. I'm a son of the living God. I don't follow God because I'm a pastor. I follow God because I'm a son. It's individual. And the the age that we live in is trying to group people in all kinds of different things. Group them, group them, group them. And the only reason they want to group you is because they want power over you. They want to give you a different story, a different name, a different narrative. You know, the Bible says that this is the day the Lord has made. This today is the day. Lord has made. It says, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. But watch this now. If God made the day, who defines the day? If God made the day, who defines the day? If God made the day, who defines the day? If God made the week, who defines the week? If God made the month, who defines the month? If God makes the year, who defines the year? And yet we have so many people who name days, name weeks name months after their agenda and I'm like wait you're renaming a day but it's God's day he defines it he made it so what are you doing you're putting yourself over God not just renaming people but renaming days it's dangerous to rename things and call things what they're not meant to be called isn't it I just want to encourage you, church. Buckle your seatbelt. If you don't buckle your seatbelt, you'll wake up dizzy, confused, and wondering why you're bleeding. If you don't buckle your seatbelt, 
Sometimes your family will wake up dizzy and confused and wondering why they're bleeding. If this nation doesn't buckle the seatbelt, it'll wonder why it's dizzy, confused, wonder why it's bleeding. In the beginning, we are a Genesis 1 church. In the beginning, God made male, God made female. thing God did was define me the most loving thing God does is define you don't redefine yourself by some other narrative don't call yourself they don't call yourself his and her why they is confusing you are not a group of people you are one person if you if you come to me and say pastor Anthony um If a young person in my church comes up to me and says, Pastor Anthony, I'm 75 years old and I'm Asian and you're white and you're 18. They're like, no, you're not. You're white and you're 18. And I think introducing, again, compassion towards one situation is completely different. Compassion towards a situation is completely different between knocking down every wall. Why do I, why do I put a fence around my backyard? I do it for my kids and I do it for my dog. Crazy dog. It's getting better though. He's almost saved. I'm going to bring him to the altar soon. <laughs> I prophesy over him obedience. Why do I put a fence around my yard? I put a fence around my yard, especially when I got young kids because I don't want other people to steal them. Why does God put a fence of morality around His people? Because He loves them. He doesn't want someone to steal them. Listen, the morality of God will always be different and counter to the morality of men. Why? Because God is holy and man is unholy. But the morality of God still protects you and me. When God says don't commit adultery, He doesn't say it. He simply says it because He's trying to protect a marriage. When God says don't lie, He says because you deceive other people and they can't trust you anymore, but you also can't trust yourself. He says don't steal because you need community and you need relationships and people need to know how to trust you. How many want people to steal from you? Say yes. But how many of you have ever stolen before? Come on, put up your hand. Come on, I know you have. <laughs> There's a lot of liars in that. Jeez. <laughs> the law of God simply shows you and me we need a savior. Because how many know that you have not fulfilled all the law? By heart or deed, we've all broken the law. That's why we need a Saviour. But I will say the morality of God and the laws of God are to protect people. So we are to be truth seekers. If you want our voice in this culture, silence your voice for a while. Dig deeper. Build your convictions deeper. Actually know the Word of God. 
Make sure you're practicing the Word of God. Make sure you're living it. No one needs to hear another preacher that doesn't live it. No one needs to hear another Christian that doesn't live it. We need to hear people that are living it. Not perfectly, but just person of character, right? Just a person of character doesn't not stumble. When they stumble, they confess it to God or confess it to others, whatever is needed. That's a person of character. See, leadership is so needed, but it's character that's so needed. Dig deeper. But when it's time to speak up, speak up. Speak up. Speak up. Speak up. Sometimes the best invitation for some of you is just, hey, isn't to share everything with them. It's just, why don't you come to a place that helped me? How many know that even that, you sometimes feel the tension like, oh, should 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 I invite him to church? How many know it will help them? I tell our men in Men's Transform, I go literally, hey guys, how many think some other men need this? And they're like, yeah. And then the women are like, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because I know it, it's going to help them. Put your seatbelt on. Put truth around your waist. Dig your convictions deeper. It takes time to dig convictions. Don't be one of those Christians who's loud on social media, but he's barely committed anywhere. Your voice cannot be louder than your commitments. It cannot be. You'll be a flaky leader that no one follows. But let me say this. The devil says to you and to me, be quiet. You know what he said to the disciples in the early days in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4? What did the Pharisees say? Be quiet. What did the disciples of John the Baptist say to John the Baptist? Be quiet. What did the disciples say to Jesus when he was talking about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees? They actually say to him, did you realize they were offended at you? Do you know what they were really saying? Be quiet. What did they say to Daniel? Be quiet. What did they say to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Be quiet. I want to tell you today that the church cannot be quiet. It must be loving. It must build conviction. But it must actually speak up in the name of God. Come on, do you believe that? Coming all across this place, would you close your eyes with me? Father, I pray for every person right now. Father, you've made every single one. You know every single one. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to do a work of miracles in this house, online, every person, every family. God, I declare over them, they can become everything you've designed them to become. I cancel and break that that Babylonic type spirit that would take them captive and rename them and repurpose them and put fear on them. I pray for faith on your people. I declare them sons and daughters of the Most High God. I declare them truth seekers and truth bringers, but love bringers, God. I pray for our hearts. I pray that our love might abound more and more. I pray that you would fill your people with love today. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus. Fill me with love. Fill me with wisdom. Fill me with your boldness. Strengthen my commitments. Strengthen my convictions. Strengthen my faith. I pray it now. In Jesus' name. Eyes closed all across this place. 
eyes closed all across this place. No one moving around this time. This is such an important time. Will we simply say to you, maybe you're here in church for the first time, 10th time, 100th time, not sure. But perhaps you've never actually settled the issue in your own heart. Not your family, not your, not your wife, or not your husband, not your mother, not your father. But in your heart, is Jesus Lord of your heart? Are you coming into church to appease a guilty conscience? It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses a guilty conscience. God died for you, sent His Son for you, loves you, no matter where you've been, what you've done. He has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. And in a moment, I'm going to ask us to pray a simple prayer together. And that prayer can lead you to a person. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is God Almighty. His many titles are the Good Shepherd. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He loves you and the good news is God has already paid the debt that you cannot pay. The bad news is sin separates you from God. But the good news is Jesus has paid that sin debt. So if you're here in this place and you've never said, Jesus, be the Lord of my heart and my life, I want to pray a simple prayer with you and that prayer can connect you to the person of Christ. Let's pray this simple prayer together. Say, Jesus. Today, I settle the issue once for all. I receive your forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my life. Make me right with God. I declare you my Lord, you my Saviour, you my very best friend. Help me walk with you. Help me hear your voice plant me in your purpose I ask you now in your mighty name in Jesus name while eyes are closed all across this place if you meant business with God today online or in person can you quickly raise your hand all across this place all across this place thank you ma'am thank you sir thank you ma'am today anyone else today yeah lots of hands going up that's awesome today thank you those two over there thank you sir thank you those two over there thank you sir thank you thank you thank you Thank you, those in the back there. Thank you, that one in the middle there. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand right now, every heart, every family represented. I speak the blessing of God, the truth of God's Word over their life. May you bless them in their coming in and their going out. May you bless them, Lord, to know you and to walk with you. Lord, I believe you for a harvest of miracles, a harvest of souls, a harvest of souls saved and families saved. But I believe you for a harvest of... Lord, of leaders, those with a humble spirit, Lord, that would lead in the areas that you desire, God, begin to literally percolate in people's hearts and lives, to literally percolate, fill each one with vision for their life, their family, Lord, and serving in the kingdom of God, I pray in Jesus' awesome name. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand in the house of God.